Good morning, everybody. Oh, so nice to be with you. I know I say that every Sunday like it's a surprise, um, but, you know, because this is where I am on a Sunday morning, but it's great to see you. My name's Rachel. I'm part of the team here, if we haven't met before. Hello, those of you online tuning in. It's great that you're here, too. How blessed do you feel this morning? If, if you had a bless a blessometer in your life, you know, uh, 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 where, where would it be? Would it be like 10%? I'm not very good at maths, but just humor me. 10%, 20%, 50%. Would you, do you feel like, actually, you had a great Christmas, been great, go back to work. I feel like full of, full of blessings, kind of 75%. Anyone here on 99% blessing? Wow, amazing, that's so good. Can you pray for me afterwards? <laughs> no, that's really good. No, that's great. I'm, I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased, actually. Do you know that you are sitting in a big, fat blessing? This building is a very big, fat blessing. And some of you will know the story because we, we tell it frequently. And I love telling it because it just helps build my faith. But this building is a blessing from God. A few, quite a few years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Tim, how many years 27 years ago, <laughs> told, you I was, told you I was terrible at maths, 27 years ago, um, Rob Scott Cook had the vision to plant a church in the city centre and uh, had his eye on this building. It was owned by the BBC. They used it as their prop store, casualty, Doctor Who, there's offices in the, in the roof, and um, they were selling it. And Rob thought this would be a great place for a church because it is actually a church. And so he prayed he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he went and made an offer and the offer was not accepted and somebody else bought it. And that was annoying, quite frankly, and disappointing, but Rob was not deterred. He cut out a picture of this building and he put it in his wallet and he prayed for it every single day for nine months. And the other offer fell through, naughty Rob, and um, nine months later... Rob felt this stirring on a Sunday to go back to the estate agent and make another offer and see what would happen. You know, some would say that was a bit crazy because it was nine months and, you know, that's history. But Rob was not deterred. And so he went to the estate agent, made an offer, uh, knocked on the door. No, I'm just acting out. He might not have knocked, might have been a doorbell. But he went to the estate agent and he, uh, oh, hello, Rob, come in. And he said, I think that this is coming back on the market and I'd like to make an offer. And the guy was completely astounded and said, how do you know? Nobody knows. It's only just fallen through, literally like before, at the end of last week. How do you know? And I don't know what Rob said, but I can, I can imagine what he might have said. Um, I've been chatting to God. And he made an offer. The offer was accepted. And hey, presto, here we are 27 years later. This has been a blessing to so many of us and a blessing to the city and a blessing to the community. Now, that is a brilliant story, don't you think? Yeah, so cool, isn't it? If you haven't heard that story before, then I'm glad that I was the first one to tell you. Now, prayer is, Rob would say, Rob Scott Cook, who is our founder of our group of churches, our family of churches, he would say, prayer releases God's blessing. That's one of his famous quotes. Prayer releases God's blessing. And this morning, I'm talking about prayer and blessing and how they go together and how our prayers can release God's blessing on our lives. But as you go into prayer week, I want you to just have a little honest um, review. You don't need to tell me. Just a little kind of internal review. How are you feeling about prayer? Now, Hazel Askew, she loves prayer. She cannot get enough of it. She's a prayer champion and she does it brilliantly. But probably not many of us are as full on about prayer as Hazel. 
if she's 99%, I'm probably like 90% maybe. Um, I love prayer too. How are you feeling about prayer this week? Maybe you're still exploring faith. You're not a Christian here and you're just kind of here and you're checking out church. And we're so glad that you're here. And maybe prayer is a bit of an enigma to you. You don't really know what prayer is or you've never done it before. And that's totally fine. We're so glad you're here. And I hope that maybe something I say might help. But maybe you've been praying for a long time and you feel disappointed with prayer. You feel like your prayers aren't answered or you have a low expectation about, well, maybe just life happens anyway and what difference will prayer make? Maybe it's all kind of decided. Maybe you feel a bit fatalistic about life and what happens. But I think it's important to just be honest about where you're at because how you feel about prayer will determine how you pray. If you're stuck in disappointment, if you're stuck in a place where you feel like God never answers my prayer, if you're stuck in a place where you think, I don't think even God likes me, I don't think God even knows who I am, then that is going to influence how you pray. If you're in a place where you think, I know God loves me. I don't know why he does, because I don't even love me that much, but I know God loves me and he's for me. That is going to set you up to pray with faith. That is going to set you up in prayer to think, actually, God wants to hear what I've got to say. Not because I'm super important, but because he loves me. And he loves hearing me pray. So where are you on that? Now, this is our starting point for prayer. This this is my husband's Bible because mine is too big to come. Not hugely big, but, you know, a bit bigger than this and heavy. So I've bought Martin's. But this is our starting point when it comes to prayer. The Bible, the Word of God, Scripture, that informs what we think, what we believe about prayer. And so this morning, I'm going to give you three nuggets around prayer and blessing. If you want to take notes, there are three headings. The first one is, we are blessed to be a blessing. The second one is, we've got to start wrestling for the blessing. And the third one is, we need to be releasing the blessing. They're my three points. So my first one is, we are blessed to be a blessing. And all the way through Scripture, all the way through the Bible, there's this theme of God wanting to bless his people, of God wanting to bless what he's done, of God wanting to bless the people that he has chosen, that he has welcomed into his family. God is a God who loves to bless. That is who he is. He doesn't have to have his arm twisted or kind of like begged or really kind of like convince him that we should have a, be blessed by him or that God should bless the situation. He is a God who loves to bless. And you can see that all through scripture. In Genesis, when he creates the world, the heavens and the earth, where he separates in the story, he separates the sky from the sea, and he separates, no, the land from the sea, and the sky and the stars, and he makes all the stuff, he makes vegetation and animals, and he, after each day, he says, he saw what he did, and it was good. He saw what he did, and it was good. The definition of blessing is a bestowal of a good thing. It's like saying, yes, it is good. It's a good thing. That's what blessing is. And God does it time and time again through Genesis. He sees what he's done and he blesses it. He blesses it and it's fruitful. It multiplies, it grows, it expands. It becomes even better than it was when it started. That is how God's kingdom works. It starts off very small. Jesus talks about it the size of a, of a mustard seed. That is tiny. But he blesses it and it grows and it expands. And that's how he wants blessing to work in our life. 
Abraham was a man who was blessed by God. He was one of the old sort of patriarchs in the Old Testament. And God took hold of him and he blessed him. And this is what it says in Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God blesses one man, one family, one couple. And through them, God blesses the nation and instigates the nation of Israel. And through the nation of Israel comes Jesus, eventually, after quite a lot of hundred years. And we are a result of that blessing on Abraham because we know Jesus, if you're here today and you're a follower of him. And so we are part of that blessing that God blessed Abraham that comes down through the ages, through the years. The Apostle Paul talks about this. What is it if we are followers of Jesus, if we know him as our Lord and our Saviour, if we've made that decision to be a Jesus follower, what blessings do we have? What is our part of our inheritance, a part of our identity of being someone that knows Jesus? And this is what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He, he explains what it means to be a follower of Jesus and the blessings that you have. You might think today, oh, I'm not feeling very blessed. Life's a bit hard, it's a bit rubbish. You know, there's a lot, I'm being squeezed by loads of different areas. Even, you know, you might be a Christian and still feel that. We feel that, don't we? The pressure, the tension, anxiety, the stress. But actually, even though you feel those things, you are still blessed massively by God. And this is what Paul writes. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with a couple of spiritual blessings. No, not a couple. Every, every spiritual blessing in Christ. That is a big word, isn't it? It's a little word, actually, five letters. But it encompasses a lot. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy. So Paul is saying... When you follow Jesus, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the spiritual realm. And he unpacks it later in the passage, and I've got them up on the screen for you. This is what he says. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have been chosen even before creation to be holy. That means before you were even thought of, before even the beginning of the world, God knew you and chose you. You might, I think I've still got a bit of, well, trauma's too strong, but, you know, I was never chosen at school in PE. Never. Nobody wanted me on their team. When the hockey ball came towards me, I literally was like, oh, gosh, it's going to hit my shins. And I would, like, I was, I was just not sporty. You know, that wasn't my gift in your strengths. And, and I still feel, I can still remember not being chosen. It's just a weird thing, isn't it? You know, it's like, I'm quite old now, and I can remember that feeling of not being chosen. But this says, we have been chosen. I have been chosen. You have been chosen by God to be a part of his family. You've been adopted into his family. God has grafted you in. You might feel on the outskirts of your own family. You might feel on the outskirts here in your community. You might feel like, I don't really fit in. 
But that's not true because God has adopted you into his family. You're part of his big family now. You've been redeemed through Jesus' death on the cross. God doesn't treat us like we deserve. Isn't that amazing news? He doesn't treat us as we deserve. He treats us like we don't deserve. He treats us in a gracious way, in a loving way, in a forgiving way. I know what I'm like. I know my imperfections, and my family tell me what they are all the time. I know, I know the thoughts I can have. I know that I can say the wrong thing, and, and I can think on kind thoughts, and I can be selfish. I know all that stuff. We know it about ourselves, don't we? We might not talk about it much, but we know it's there. But Jesus doesn't treat us as we deserve. He treats us like we don't deserve because he died on the cross and dealt with our sin and has forgiven us. Wow. That is our reality. God's grace is lavished on us. That's what Paul says. His grace is lavished on us. It's poured over us. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us anyway. And lastly, the Holy Spirit is in us. We don't have to do life in our own strength. I wouldn't get very far if I had to do life in my own strength. Getting out of bed sometimes is hard, let's face it. I love sleeping. It's, it's like lovely. Life is hard, isn't it? If I have to do it in my own strength, I won't get very far. But Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit is in us to equip us to do life, not just minimally, but life knowing that we're blessed. And that is who we are. That is the reality of what God has given us, of, of, of who we are, and that the, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, which Paul talks about, that is, that is that list. That is what he says. But you know there's something coming, don't you? Because that's the reality. That is true. We know that stuff. I've just told you. If you've never heard it before, then I've just told you something new. That's cool. So that is true. But sometimes we don't feel like we can live like it's true because the reality of what we're living in and what we're experiencing and what we're feeling feels very different to what we know is true. Does anyone else relate to that? Yeah, we can feel it on a Sunday morning when we're worshipping and feel like, yes, it's great. And then you get to Monday, sort of 3 p.m., when you're sort of at a bit of a low ebb and you think, oh, no, it's really hard in the office or I'm really feeling stressed or I'm anxious or I don't want to do whatever I've got to do. And I feel like, oh, I don't feel very blessed. I don't feel like I'm really walking in God's power and victory. And that is the reality for us. We don't, we live how we feel, not what is true. And I was thinking about this yesterday as I was preparing, and I was thinking, do you know what? That is what God has designed us to be. Not like living like that, but he's designed us to live in the middle, in the tension. There's a tension of what he wants us to do and how he wants us to live and how we sometimes do live. And he wants us to grow in navigating living in the tension in the middle. If he didn't, he could have done it differently. He could have said, well, you become a Christian, follow Jesus, and I whip you off to heaven. And uh, you just have a great life there, really. But no, he leaves us here to be his blessing bearers, to be his people on the earth living in the tension. And so what we need to do is learn how to live in the tension and not feel really cross all the time about living in the tension, but just feel like that is, that is how God wants it. He wants us to grow and mature and be people of blessing, living in the tension, who follow him and are aware of the spiritual blessings in Christ. So what that means is that when the hard stuff comes, when trouble comes, when difficulties come, when illness comes, when relationship breakdown comes, and all the things that 
all of us have experienced come, we stand firm and say, God has equipped me to live in this place. And it doesn't mean he doesn't love me, or doesn't care about me, or, I've, or even that I've done wrong stuff. It just means this is what it's like to live in the world. But God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing to navigate living in the tension. So we don't walk away from God when the, ten- when the difficulty comes. We stay firmly footed, standing strong, living in this place, trusting him, trusting his blessings, and accessing prayer, because prayer is the key to releasing the blessing. And so my second point is, we've got to start wrestling for the blessing. I love saying that. I keep saying it all the time. We've got to start wrestling for the blessing. And there's this amazing little story in Genesis 12, where Jacob, who's another sort of uh, amazing character in the Old Testament, who God chooses, and there's this little encounter between Jacob and God. And Jacob is on this road trip. He's on this journey with his family. They go on ahead. He's left behind. And then this man comes and starts wrestling with him. And they get really up close and personal. It's like a fight. And they're wrestling. And basically, it's, it looks like Jacob's going to win. And then what happens is, because it's actually God, God touches his hip, dislocates his hip. That's cheating, isn't it? But never mind. He's God. He can do that. And then even though he's in pain and he's still wrestling, he's not going to let go of God until he blesses him. And he says this, I will not let you go until you bless me. That's what he says to God. I will not let you go until you bless me. How brazen to say that to God. I will not let you go till you bless me. And he clings onto him and he holds onto him tight. And he's not going to let go. And that's what we've got to grow in doing and grow in being. People who will not let go of God until God blesses us. We've got to hold on when we're living in the tension and wait for the blessing. And that means that when life is tricky, you hold on to God. The temptation is to walk away, turn your back, go somewhere else. But the opportunity is to stay and to hold on and to grasp hold of him and to say, I'm not going to go, God, until you bless me. When you've got that difficult situation in your workplace and it's, it's so hard to navigate and you don't even know kind of what God is saying, but you say, God, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless it. That relationship that is just all over the shop and it's affecting you and you don't know, any, you know what's the way through, you pray and say, God, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless it or till you speak or till you bring the breakthrough or you to show me what I've got to do next. That illness that you're sort of battling with, and some of us have been battling for, with illnesses for many years, and it's like, I'm going to hold on to you, God. I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me, until you bring the breakthrough, until you help me, until you show me. Do you bring me that peace that I really, really need? Let's not let go too easily. Let's hold on and wait for the blessing. And what could that actually look like in practice? What does that actually look like? It looks like maybe saying to somebody else, can you help me? Can you pray for me? Can you come alongside me? And help me to hold on. It may be getting up in the middle of the night, you know, when you're, when you're lying awake in bed and you're scared and you're anxious, you're worried and your head's all over the place. I'm going to get up and I'm not going to waste time worrying. I'm going to spend time praying. Might be getting up early in the morning and praying while the house is quiet before the kids have got up, if that's possible. Sometimes it's impossible, isn't it, to get up so early. 
<laughs> or doing it late at night, finding that way, that opportunity to pray, booking yourself in the prayer room and say, I'm going to have an hour in the prayer room. I'm going to pray and ask for the breakthrough, ask for the blessing. I think for me, one of the stories that I tell when I'm talking about this is um, a story that I had around scan anxiety. Anyone had that? When I had came through cancer, but I used to be anxious around my scans, and I still am sometimes, actually. And I had this particular scan that was coming, and I had convinced myself that my cancer had returned and that I was going to die. That's it in a nutshell. And it was completely crazy. It wasn't real. It wasn't based on anything real. It was all in my head. It was all in my thoughts. And I prayed. I asked God to, to break through that, and I found it so hard to I'd have peace for a bit. Then it would go asked people to pray for me, which they did, which really helped. But there was still this, like, fear in me around this scan that was coming up. And um, I was told that I would probably not be able to ride a bike again. I was told that I might not even have use of my legs. So I got on my bike as a prophetic act that I could ride a bike. And I went for a ride around the downs. And I thought, I'm going to pray. I'm going to have it out with God. I'm not going to let go of this until he blesses me until there's breakthrough, because this is crazy. Why am I feeling like this? I don't need to feel like this, but I just couldn't get through to the other side. So I was going around the downs, I was praying. In, when it was busy, I was kind of praying under my breath quietly, so I didn't look strange. And then in the quieter bits, near, near the bottom, I was praying out loud, and I was praying in tongues. I was going, I was just praying, come on, God, bring the breakthrough. I don't want to feel like this. This is not right. And I was praying, and I was kind of dismissing Satan and telling him to get stuffed, and he didn't deserve to talk to me, and I don't deserve to listen to him, and all that sort of stuff. I was just getting really feisty, basically, because nobody was watching me. I was just between me and God. And then I kind of ran out of steam a bit. <laughs> As I was going up here, it was a bit hard work. You know, a little hill. I'm not very fit. And um, I just was cycling and listening and just going, God, you know, I feel better, actually, because I've had a good old pray. And then this little thought dropped into my head. I think it was the Holy Spirit. And he said, the devil is not omnipotent. Basically, the devil does not know your future, Rachel. The devil doesn't know what is around your corner. The devil doesn't know what's ahead of you. He has a limited understanding and knowledge. He's basically a fallen angel. He's not Jesus. He's not God. He's not the Holy Spirit. So don't listen to him. He doesn't know what your scans are going to reveal. Of course he doesn't. But what you're doing is you're thinking that he does. And you're waiting, for, you're waiting for him to be proved right. The devil is never proved right. He cannot ever be right. And it was that revelation. It was incredible. And I was like, that is so true. Thank you, Jesus. And I cycled home. I thought, yeah, that's it. That's my blessing. That's the blessing right there. So we've got to hold on to the blessing. We've got to wrestle, wrestle God for it. The third thing I just want to say as I come into land, that we've got to release it. We've got to release the blessing because it's never just for us. It doesn't just stay with us. We pay it forward. We pass it on. We bless other people. That's what God, that's why God has left us here. You know, we've become followers of Jesus and he hasn't taken us out. He's left us here so we can pay forward the blessing. We can pass it on to other people. There's this great verse that we, we love in, at Woody's in Jeremiah 29 where it says, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Sometimes it feels like we're living in exile, doesn't it? We look out and the world is in a desperate place and it's easy to feel overwhelmed and sad 
and paralyzed by the darkness out there. But God has left us here to be a blessing and to pass it forward and to make a difference. And that could be through serving, volunteering, being pockets of, of light blessing in the city. But also it just means wherever God has placed you tomorrow morning, that's where he wants you to bring the blessing. At the school gate, in uni, in school, in your community, on your street, in Tesco's, on the bus. We carry the blessing of God wherever he puts us. And it looks really normal. It looks like helping somebody. It looks like seeing someone catching your eye on the bus and thinking, I'm going to pray for them. Maybe you don't want to go up to them and say, can I pray for you? But you can still pray for them. Maybe it's that work colleague that sits opposite, opposite you in your desk. Maybe you don't really know them very well, but you can pray for them. Maybe it's that conversation that you've, you've had in the past about church. And you think, actually, I need to take it a step further and just invite them to come. Or invite them to Alpha. I'm going to take an Alpha flyer and just leave it in the staff room. Or give it to somebody and say, do you want to come? No pressure, but would you like to come? We are meant to be carriers of the blessing of God. And it could look like a million different ways, but we're not meant to keep it to ourselves. We're meant to pass it on. So wherever you find yourself this week, you are a carrier of the blessing. You don't even have to say, am I? You are. I'm here to tell you that you are and that I am. And that that's who we are. So as I finish, take a prayer guide. You might feel nervous about prayer week. It might be not be your cup of tea or your thing. But try doing one extra thing this week. Fill in the guide. It will help you pray. Come along on Tuesday night to our prayer and worship night. We're going to pray for the blessing on the city. We believe God has put us in the city to bless it and to reveal Jesus. And we're going to pray for that and believe that God's going to do that. Ephesians 1, that lovely list that Paul says, this is who you are. I kind of felt as I was praying and preparing that that little verse in the psalm came to me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. King David writes it in the Psalms. And I think if you're here and you're a Christian and you think, actually, I've got no joy for my salvation. I'm hearing Rachel say this stuff and it just doesn't really touch me. I feel like numb. I think God wants to bless you this morning. God wants to encourage you and just bless you and say, actually, you know, that's okay, be honest. But I want to kind of heat you up again and restore to you the joy of your salvation. So if that's you, let me have communion now. We have an opportunity to pray for people. We'd love to pray for you for that, to bless you, to restore the joy of your salvation. Why don't you stand up with me and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to hand over to Nigel who's going to lead us in communion. God has put good things in us and he wants us not to keep them to ourselves. But he wants to bless us to be a blessing. So Holy Spirit, I pray for each of us. You know us. You love us. You are for us. You also invite us to collaborate with you and be blessing sharers in this city. I pray for every single one of us that this week we would be able to bless, encourage, invite, build up, support somebody that you put in front of us. That we would know that we are blessed to be a blessing. And for those of us that feel, yeah, I, I'm not sure this is true for me. I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal it. You'd reveal it. In Jesus' name. Amen.